Happy New Year, wishing you health and peace. Here's to an episode that will, I hope, cause you to think about the need for an agricultural revolution, not only in Africa, but in other spaces outside the Western realm. In this episode, I am introducing you to Nuruddin Osman, a Somali-born and a Dutch citizen who has some 30 years experience in the agricultural space. I came across his work when I was researching agriculture on the African continent. I don't know for you, but I've always wondered why African countries or corporations were not buying agricultural machinery to solve the basic food crisis. And the continent has had more than one. In Burundi, for example, I remember the year 2005. We are in 2023, not much has changed. You'll hear how it is a struggle for Africans to win this war. What really struck me with Noradin's project is the willingness to address the gap that exists from planting seeds on the farm to filling a fridge with what many consider to be essential, proteins. Africa needs more agri-activists who know what they are talking about and are ready to change the narrative about the food industry where a child can live to have three meals a day. And knowing the African soil, this should be a given. This reminds me of a time when South Africa was fighting corporations to produce HIV AIDS drugs in order to save their citizens. Yes, Africa has a number of fights to engage in and win. Up until 2020, Nuruddin was the VP of ECO, a New York Stock Exchange listed company, a manufacturer and distributor of agricultural equipment and other related replacement parts, before founding his company, Grosser Foods. He's on the board of trustees of the African Leadership Network and a former Tutu Fellow, among other accolades. I wanted to join some kind of political party to fight this injustice. Not sure how much I'll be of use there. <laughs> let me stay in the private sector for now. Okay, let me stop here before I share the whole episode. Parole Podcast is on all the major podcast platforms, Spotify, Apple, Google, etc. Parole Podcast via Wii Studios is also on Patreon. If you want to support my podcast, find the link on the show notes. Until next time. Monsieur Nouradin, who are you? Ah, I am an unusual guy, my background. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah, so yeah, I am uh, used to be the former vice president general manager of uh, one of the uh, third largest manufacturer, manufacturer agriculture equipment in the world. I was based uh, last uh, couple of years in out of Johannesburg office. I am now back since last week in the Netherlands. So is it raining or is it shiny sh sunshine? Well, the sunshine just came out. This morning, last night was freezing cold. I came back yesterday from Nairobi. So I have my first night in, in, in the Netherlands. So it's good, good to be Great. Back. So for those who are listening, we're going to talk about agriculture. We're going to talk about the possibilities that are available in Africa. But before we get into that, because we're talking about Grosser Foods, that is a company that you just started, tell us a bit about who you are, give us a glimpse of your background and why you chose to go into agriculture. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, yeah, my name is Nuruddin Osman. I am uh, I'm an African by descent. Uh, I am Somali by birth. I am Dutch citizen by way of notarization. I last 30 years I've worked in the industry in agriculture. 
I left my country 30 years ago, precisely two months from now. Oh. And uh, I was a farmer. I grew up a family that provide milk in the Mogadishu, largest milk dairy product, butter, uh, and eggs. And then we went to, into agriculture because of a uh, way of, uh, of getting food aid in the late 70s. Mm. Uh, my father worked in the civil servant. He was in the army air defense. And he was only paid by, uh, by food, imported, uh, donated food. So he used to get uh, 50 kilo sugar, 50 kilo, wow. you know, uh, oil, 30 kilo. So he never got any any salary paid during the time in the early, late 70s, early 80s, all the way up to the 90s. His salary was mainly imported food. And that food was mainly giving to the government a way of marketing to introduce new products into the continent uh, and my mother actually decided to take the food and ask my father to only to bring the powdered milk and we started feeding with powdered milk uh, to our uh, our cattle so we want to grow our own dairy farm so we didn't we want to use the, the cow's milk but the cows the young boys uh, we, we used to use the powdered milk uh, and it actually works because we were able to to our cow to grow, to become a good cows and, and really become a profitable business for us in the late uh, 80s, uh, early 80s and, and, and late uh, in the 80s. So I left my country 30 years ago, became, uh, to came to Netherlands and uh, my first job was a meat factory minus four. Uh, so I started to really fall in love again in agriculture, but way of understanding how you know, protein is important for society. You know, having a good protein, good milk at young age helped me to become who I am today. If my mother didn't provide me fresh milk mm. every day as a young boy, I, my brain probably would not be this smart as I am today. So I'm very thankful to my mother taught me very young age how important it is to eat for eating good food, especially when it comes to protein. And protein is very important part of any any development of any human being, uh, whether it's physically or mentally. And uh, the only way to get protein is the cheapest way to get protein for me is, is, a, is a based on plant, plant-based protein. So we actually used a very young age uh, focus on soya bean. So I know the importance of what soya bean means uh, for in terms of the value chain of creating protein. I'll come back to soya bean in a minute. But I came, uh, time, uh, you know, to, to push forward. Uh, 17 years ago, I decided to pursue my dream and got opportunity to work uh, one of the largest uh, cure player in the world in agricultural mechanization. And I joined from the Netherlands, uh, went to UK for four years and worked UK and Ireland uh, as a sales support as well as a sales representative and learned a lot in, in farming in the UK and Ireland and moved on uh, to go to US, uh, worked in US in agriculture for five years and let's say Americas and including Brazil oh, okay. for three years and uh, moved back to US, uh, then moved to Switzerland for five years. I was able to work in the Swiss and understand uh, Swiss farming as well and in Eastern Europe farming as well. I uh, moved to you, Africa, the continent, to 2017 and worked uh, myself, uh, set up a 
big projects in, in the continent. Uh, visit 48 countries out of the 54. I established 87 countries, independent uh, distribution for the company I worked before. And now I, since a year now, I'm running my own business and I want to start raising capital from the West and hopefully back in the continent and work on a plant-based protein and, and really to, you know, hopefully to discuss with you today how I see in agriculture. Absolutely. I mean, uh, let's just start with the fact that we're both from the East Africa and protein for us is really something that is, uh, I think, number one. Like for me, I know the milk back home is, you know, everything. Why is it hard? Is it still hard uh, for most countries to be independent? What am I saying? So I understand that some countries, if not most African countries, went through wars. So provision, uh, you know this and that but it is tough to be a farmer in africa and we have tools in 2021 in 2020 you know what's lacking there i think the image is is lacking you know the image of farmer is not great mm. you know if you today google you know you put in africa agriculture and you put in brazil agriculture or any country the image you get in africa is not great you know, most talented uh, student to see no future in, in venturing in agriculture. So yeah. from young age, is systematically we've been told, you know, it's not profitable. It's a punishment, uh, yeah. agriculture. So, and, you know, don't get me wrong, many of us, when we did something wrong, we were sent to the field to, to, <laughs> to <laughs> cultivate some land. True. So it has been not a bad image. And yeah. When we, when I, I would like to just also to play that role. So how do we really change the image? What is what is really a farming? Farming is very profitable business. Mm. Uh, and and look at the West. West subsidized farming. When you go to US, every hectare, an hour, if you grow rice in you, you get eight hundred euro just by cultivating wow. rice. Yeah. So if you go to maize, you get 200 euro cultivating. So farming is, is everywhere in the world is subsidized, except in Sub-Saharan mm -hmm. Africa. You know, we have South Africa is subsidized, but different way. In South Africa, it's subsidized, pays welfare, uh, 21 million people per month. And they buy food. 40% of that expenditure goes to buying, purchasing food. So. The funds is going directly from, you know, yeah, you know, former farmers, former colonial farmers, mm. let's say, that are still in South Africa. They benefit the subsidy, welfare paid to, to the community in South Africa because they have to buy food. They expect 40% goes out to food. So indirectly, the, the large, big farmers in South Africa benefiting from the welfare system. Uh, so to me, Outside uh, South Africa, if you look at the West, everywhere is the farmer is subsidized. Absolutely, and the fact that you you've you've been working in different countries like U.S., Ireland, uh, U.K., where it's about farmers. But some of the richest families are those who who are into land management. And for us, it is true that maybe we don't have that many actors, but we still, you know, some families do still have land. 
do we do I think we, the, yeah the land mm-hmm. the land is the, the land is a big uh, for me is is uh, when it comes to land is is how you look at it you see the UN and world food program and all these uh, FAO everybody mentions Africa has 60% world remaining arable land but go to Nairobi and speak to young person there when their salary is $500 and $4 $400 goes out to rent you know mm-hmm. it 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 just doesn't add up something you know to me you know the land is there it, 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 but to get access to the land you require the capital mm-hmm. you need financial systems to work but all the financial systems the banks in africa is most profitable ba- banks institutions in africa today if the banks are paying dividends they're not financing agriculture because they will only finance when they have uh, subsidies they will yeah. be jumping in and saying okay there is a subsidy so there is a, at least uh, the risk agriculture is very high so you can have diseases you can have uh, rain issues but there is a lot of challenges in in farming there's a lot of risk and and also know-how you see know-how is also a major issue most african farmers are not exposed modern farming uh, not exposed technology so if you take a, a dutch farmer today will use 175 horsepower to cultivate one hectare you know when you take an african farmer he will be just himself with the horse or if he's lucky he wasn't able to rent 50 dollar per acre disc plow mm. or a tractor with 80 maybe 80 horsepower so methodology of the power engine that we use to cultivate that land is way too low so if we want to improve first we have to improve the soil currently the african soil has a major problem soil erosion the water compacting the technology because you're only turning the soil less than two centimeters even if you do that the, the speed that the tractor is running with the disc plow is just too fast when you look the european farmer with 175 horsepower will be able to cultivate the soil much better and the soil will be you know soil bed will be easier to grow the plants one secondly when you look african farmer do not use planting even no farmer uses mechanized planting so if the european farmer uses mechanized planting he can count how many seeds he planted per hectare or per acre african farmer will look at how many bags wow. seed he planted and then he will calculate how many bags he will yield so per acre let's say 18 bags 12 bags each of them 90 kilo so the the challenge you face is the bank is the one that actually can intervene can actually intervene financing when it comes to even providing the know-how providing supply chain but the bank african banks especially eastern africa is no longer owned by africans true remember the banks are now owned by norwegian fund owned by fmao is owned by the largest agriculture bank dutch why would they benefit if they provide financing to yeah. uh, to to small scale farmer while they have their client base is in west 
getting farmers receiving subsidy, overproducing, they need to sell to a market. So today, 50% of the world production of chicken is imported to Africa. So let's take from that chicken is the one of the easiest products to, to produce. And you look at historically, you know, you worldwide, you look at, you know, Western uh, countries and move to South America, they have become independent for poultry. Then Asia became independent poultry, Thailand, Indonesia, even China, nobody imports frozen chicken anymore. So today, 95% of African cities, almost every city I visit, capital cities, 95% of protein meat, meat consumed is, is, is frozen. That's crazy. It's 95%. That's crazy. Right? So let's, let's go down a little bit more into sub-Saharan Africa in general. So Africa is the biggest producer in the world. I mean, in sub-Saharan Africa, when it comes to number of million metric tons, 2 million, let's say 2.1 million, 2.5 million metric tons. Again, in terms of value-wise, South Africa is second largest country importing frozen chicken Wow! after Angola. Oh. So when you go, then you move on to Egypt. Egypt is second largest producer, and that is 1.1, 1.5 million metric tons. Again, Egypt will come in the list, the country that imports majority of the poultry. Then you move to Ghana. Ghana is the third largest importer or in terms of million metric tons in, 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 in poultry into the continent. So imagine if you look at the demand from consumption and the supply and the population growth. Mm -hmm. We're expecting African population to double in the next decade. Today, the poultry forecast is uh, in the continent is from 6 million metric tons per annum production. It will be have to double by 2030 to 12 million metric tons. So the opportunity for young people to invest in agriculture, the numbers don't lie. Yeah. The numbers are there. The demand is there. The consumption is there. The supply is there. But what is the lacking? What is the issue? The issue is you have systematically institutions that are, are actually promoting agriculture is, is for small-scale farmers. Uh, let's say, uh, how do we help them? Let's get them uh, hybrid seeds. Uh, let's get them Accra. You know, let's put them NGO. Let's put them, you know, hold their hands. They are the owner. Bill Gates is the largest land commercial owner in the U.S., so he is the biggest shareholder, one of the biggest agriculture mechanization companies, the one biggest of shareholder. So why is the benefit to Bill Gates for to see the farmers, small scale farmers in Africa? Let's group them, let's put them, let's say outgrower scheme, let's put this yeah. finance, let's put voucher thing. Then you find now telecom companies come in. Safaricom, Vodacom, all these guys now into agriculture. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> They're just, seeing opportunities. They're I, like, yep. I figured, wow. No, it's, it's, just, it's, it's just because they do not impact anything. Everything in the value chain in agriculture is not owned by Africans. Take, for example, sugar. 
in sub-Saharan Africa and Eastern Africa. Ilovo sugar is the biggest producer. They produce 1.8 million metric tons per annum sugar. It's owned by Associated British Food. It's listed in Stock Exchange in London. So if you go in on and on, I can go hatcheries. When you come to day-old chickens or technology food, four companies control all the eggs from South Africa all the way to, down to Nairobi. Few companies control entire poultry from day old chicks that supply. Uh, take the Zambia, Zambia, Tanzania, Uganda, uh, Malawi, Kenya, the largest the banks in terms of physical outlets, buildings of head offices, or in terms of staff, is the majority shareholders. I, Dutch taxpayers, Norwegian taxpayers, and the largest bank in in agriculture bank in the world. So how do you expect them to provide when they have their own product, they're overproducing, sit in stock? Why on earth would they would give them the IPO of how to grow protein, for example, from based on plants? Plants that we need is soybean. Soybean, if you take worldwide soybean production, three countries control majorities. That is U.S., Argentina, Brazil. So let's say Brazil is number one, U.S. number two, Argentina number three. And then you top ten, you don't find one single African country. Bolivia is in the top ten. You will find top ten India, China, Ukraine, Russia, Everyone who knows who want to grow protein, independent from frozen meat, independent from good quality of milk, good quality of, of poultry, you must grow soybean. That is the green gold of agriculture. But here, what any country in Africa has a plan to, to discuss, any minister, who one goal, all of us, grow soybean. It will fix malnutrition from young children it will be able to produce uh, 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 down the stream you can produce oil edible oil i products soya cake you can mix it with other crops like maize and sunflower produce very cost effective way a kilo of chicken you can produce a kilo of beef all of these systems they work hand in hand you grow soya, you add with a little bit maize, then you have poultry, you take the manure of the poultry, you use it for the soil, from the cow you manure, you use it. The whole system is in one go in agriculture. And the most profitable part in those value chains are no longer owned by Africans, no longer in the hands of African com- countries. The national banks has been, all of them, national banks have been uh, uh, privatized. And the biggest shareholders are the West. Western, uh, that's the funds they used to use to for development aid. Now they use it wisely by acquiring. And those banks all pays, pay dividends. So if I tell you now, the listeners, they will be like shocked. Say, How is it yeah. possible? Yeah. Look at the Nago Bank, NMB Bank. DFCU bank, equity bank, look at their owners in that balance sheet. So why on earth they will not see agriculture development? 
In if you go back historically in the 1960s, in the 70s, I've done all the market research you need to know in the beginning of the, after the colonial, what happened. There was all campaign to give agriculture a center attention. If we get agriculture right, few things we have to get it right. Soybean, sunflower, and maize. Wow. And the rest is really must have. It's need to have. You know, Kenya is the Minister of Agriculture. Kenya, recently I was listening Accra. I woke up in the while in Nairobi. Number one, we are flower exporter. Yeah, that's really how many employment of flower today you create in the country. And and flower industry, are they actually contributing only the forex? Are they contributing only yeah, it doesn't contribute a feeding the whole neighborhood or what the government yeah. is buying every day to feed the prison, to feed mm. the army, to feed the children at school. They're buying imported food. That's what I was going to ask you. Like, take a country like Kenya, where they're known, especially for you guys, the Dutch. It's like flowers, flowers, flowers. Why not take a spot, take a region and be like, can we focus on soy? How is it impossible for a country, maybe not the companies, because the companies they do have their, as I say, their shareholders and their own, but for a country, the more people are safe, the more people, I don't know, they're not starving, the more people who are working, they pay taxes. And it's less, you know, on the country's balance sheet, it's less difficult to handle. Why is it so hard for a country like Kenya to put that in emotion? So if you take for Kenya, is, uh, for example, I, I've done a lot of work in Kenya, spent quite some time in Kenya. If you take, for example, uh, the challenge you have in Kenya is there's a lot of large, big projects that the government undertook. And uh, it was also a very good idea that the, the government took those projects. And secondly, you have to look at the institutions that finance agriculture. Obviously, you have to focus on first Africa Development Bank, secondly, World Bank. Mm -hmm. They are the ones actually supporting all the ideas of uh, financing. World Bank loves abattoir. You know, if you look at Kenyan Meat Authority and look at the number of abattoir built in the country that are not utilized, not even 10% of 20% is over 100 abattoirs. Come on. So, so one is it's is the the, the 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 modernization of agriculture has been utilized a method of of investing uh, huge funds into agriculture modernization. Secondly, a lot of funds went to education. In if you look at Accra, the last decade they raised about billion dollars. Uh, as NGO and for African Green Revolution, and they output was seven hundred PhD and highly educated uh, group of uh, talented people, and none of them, if you if they will come today uh, looking for a job, I won't hire them <laughs> because they, they, you see the farming is is no longer in in in. In, in, in the books. Yeah. Uh, farming is the way has been done for 
the crop uh, establishment and crop nutrition and crop harvest, all of this is, I put already, uh, projects is, is free. You can Google it online. You can find my old job. I already offer those courses for free. But what we need to talk about is what we consume day to day, yeah. what we consume in the fridge. Let's talk about when you open the fridge in the morning, what, is, what do you consume? You consume egg. That is recommended, you know, the number of eggs recommended uh, in World uh, Health Organization. Most African countries, we don't even get half of that. We don't even consume when it comes to eggs. And you look at uh, the dairy product. Uh, majority of the African countries is still used powder milk. Uh, most of the people. Uh, when you look at, uh, in, in for example, uh, 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 other other cereals uh, that you eat breakfast is one hundred percent is imported. So we need to ask ourselves and and talk about what is in the fridge that what we eat the daily three meals. How do we work that make sure they are sourced locally? a source in a distance of, let's say, 250 kilometer radius and produced by local communities mm -hmm. that it actually becomes part of the village. Yeah. Uh, because agriculture is, the, is, 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 is a village. It's not just uh, you must think about the role of the government place. The role government plays is to provide, let's say, the the, the to keep young people busy entertainment some other activities to build in the rural area good speed of internet but when it come to farming uh, going to the field and establishing crop is no longer needed uh, one person can now manage thousands of hectares it's no longer the you need uh, you need a uh, hundred people to go out there plant manually so, and we need to own the most important part of the value yeah. chain. Uh, when it comes to the cash flow, if you talk poultry, you need to talk about hatchery where you produce the eggs. And I don't think any, any country in Africa is still left in East Africa or Southern Africa that hatchery is not owned or a foreign country or uh, listed in outside the continent. So to me, we have to educate. Uh, I hope I can educate. I'm back from the continent. I've been away now for 18 years away from Europe, but been back in, in Europe. I hope I can educate diaspora mm. so that we will be able to raise enough funds that we can actually tap in the opportunity. One is the opportunity is the consumption. You know, the consumption, it will grow. Uh, and if you look at per capita consumption in Africa, it's extremely low from when it comes to dairy products, meat products, uh, extremely, extremely low per capita consumption. So there is huge upside there, the more economic growth we see in the continent. Secondly, is the population growth. You know, the population growth, the two, those two drivers, I think, uh, and, and focusing on plant-based protein, soybean, sunflowers, and, 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 and and maize, but using modern technology, targeting 12 ton per hectare for maize, target is for soya three ton, and and so on and so on. 
we have to think uh, you know people can cultivate a million hectares uh, or 10,000 hectares and we have to think that level of, of us as diaspora we don't need to leave our desk modern machinery you can monitor what happens your soil you can take soil map you can actually from monitor from distance and we can build a modern storage capacity and build the modern feed mills and and build uh, uh, you know from grandparents egg all the way to parents egg to hatchery all the value chain can be owned and for us we we need to produce 40,000 chickens per day, we will need to do the entire value chain. We will need to raise 250 million. And that's our target. So Grosso Food is our project is now, is how do we really bring the entire value chain from, from based on the basis would be for us is a, is a plant-based protein. So we can actually add value and produce uh, uh, dairy products and, and eggs and poultry and meat. That's that's an interesting, when you say the village, uh, just before, it's, it speaks to me and it speaks, I think, to the community. It's to understand that everything happens in your, I'll say, in your radius. And for some of us, if not maybe the majority, we do not know that, for example, Safaricom owns this and this and that. Hearing you, honestly, my take on this, it's like, this sounds like a mafia from abroad. Some uh, outside forces that doesn't want to let us be free. But grocery food seems to be changing the game. When you say you're raising $250 billion and you're raising from the outsiders, i.e. Westerners, what is your vision there? Uh, you see, I, I'm not, uh, you see, when I say the West, I, I, I'm from here, so I grow, True. spend most of my adulthood here. I think the, the, I think the West, even if they mean well, I think the, 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 the for me is, is the challenge I have with that is the West is saying is Africa is not really Western type of farming. So that's oh, where okay. I have an issue. Mm that when the manufacturers that produce high-tech machines or modern machines and think, oh no, these skinny farmers, you know, based on appearance, mm. making decisions and say, Africa is not ready for, for Western type products. So that's where grocery foods want to change. Mm. We want to offer a product that the farmer can be able to count how many seeds he planted per acre that will allow him to map the soil, really offer him the good quality of products. Today, most of the tractors sold in Africa is, is come from India. So, and, and, and India technology they're using is, is invented in the first invention of, of agriculture mechanization. <laughs> So that's not because of, of the, the, the that Africans that want the Indian product specifically. The farmer, African farmer that I spoke to, most of the farmers said these tractors is too light for the type of work they have to do in the continent. Mm. And the farmer don't have access to the capital to buy in Western type product, bring it there to do the demo. Yeah. And, 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 and 
you see, as long the manufacturer, and I can tell you, even I've been inside in this industry, I know how most of the industry think they don't believe Africa is ready to utilize Western type products. That's wow. for me is a challenge. That's sad. For me, is if if the bank the bank the 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 banks that are in Africa that are owned by Western governments and Western financial institutions, they are te- teaching the banks to not to lend uh, the high tech, more modern farming way to to the farmers. So the farmers will only get specific seeds that are a specific company, a specific connection to the bank, mm. it will get on maximum uh, uh, lending of a couple of hundred dollars to buy for the season for the, for, for, for hybrid seeds. So the farmer will never able in the position to experience what it is available today. One, the manufacturer are not taking the responsibility bringing these machines on their own cost and demonstrating to the farmer, say, here is the product I can offer to mm. but... you. The manufacturer doesn't want that, and the, the bank do not want to ex- expose themselves yeah. sell technology. There is no support on the ground. True. So that's, that's for me, where I have uh, challenges when I speak to about the West. But... Imagine I'm from Burundi, I I go back home or even I stayed here in France and I decided to start a company uh, so I can send tractors. And we do know that France is one of the uh, major um, tractor manufacturers, I guess. And I want to send them to, let's just say 10 in Rwanda, 10 in Tanzania, 10 in Burundi, 10 in Congo. It will be a lot of tractors to buy, but I just imagine I have the means will I be able to have 50, 60 tractors like this? And I say, I want these latest models. I, you know, back home now we can use drones. So we do know how to space the, the land. We do know how to do this. I have a tech, whatever in, in Japan or in China, I, I have this. And be like, just, I, I'm not asking you to, to tell me how it works. Just give me the books. Here's the money. Let's exchange. I'm going home the way I buy my laptop. Is it still doable? Is it doable, sir? No, it's not doable. And that's scary for me. It's not doable. Yeah, it's not doable because you see the why it's not doable is because the the French companies already have appointed a French company representing them in Burundi. First of all, they will target you to go to the French company that sell on behalf they represent their product. <laughs> so that French company will have, let's say, in a country, offshore country, let's say in Dubai or somewhere or Mauritius or, or even in Paris, and they will add mark up the product up, up to 150%. And once you get hold, even you still want to proceed, then you have to register warranty with him. So when you register with warranty with him, you still have to pay uh, unregistered warranty because if you are his his outlet is in in the capital city oh and your farm is thousand kilometer away, so he will charge you the fees. He will come to your product to change to fix it. Will be four dollar per kilometer. So 
it, it's, it's the answer to answer in, in your question is no. It's economically is not viable. Uh, it, 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 it's, it's not viable. So if, if the ones who decide to go out of the box and say, I will insist, mm -hmm. I will learn myself, I will invest in modern equipment, then uh, economically is not uh, viable. So the point of service is too far. So in the Netherlands or in Germany, every 25 kilometers, there is a point of service of these products. In Africa, there is only capital city. If you're lucky, you will find one. So grocery foods, where we come in and say, we have three divisions. We have what I'm doing today is really educating the consumer and to say, you have the power of your stomach. You should ask what you're eating, where they come from. You can actually help your neighbor if he's growing some vegetables. You can actually keep the money within the community you are living in because you will eat every day three times. By guarantee. Mm. So understanding the consumer, educating that if we want to eat healthy food, we have to make sure the food travels less to yeah. us. And because that way, then we can get food, food, uh, food that is fresh. Fresh, I mean chilled. So it's still chilled. So to do that, we need to work in a radium of 250 kilometers. So grocery food is we are trying to set up clusters that we can set up the entire value chain within the 250 kilometers. The first project that we are looking at is right now is, is really to focus secondhand machinery from the Western type products. Okay, those secondhand machinery, I can actually see yeah. that will be 40% cheaper than a brand new one. Secondly, I can actually see the, if it's actually functioning and then take those machinery to, to Africa. That's the reason we actually moved back from South Africa to the Netherlands. So that we are actually identified a couple of machinery. So our aim is to take those machines. Secondly, is we are looking at right now is the architect side. You see, the Netherlands today, they, they, most of the dairy farmers have to be closed. Uh, the government is, is mandating farmers to, to really stop farming, and, and especially in the dairy. We have a major issue uh, on uh, ammonia from, uh, from cattle. Oh. So we are looking at right now how we can utilize those uh, also inventory that will come to the market for dairy products. So we will be definitely developing a dairy product line, mainly based on the, these these farmers getting out of the business, being pushed to go out of business. And most important is for us is is the the architect side on construction side. So we are looking at right now. We have a new team it, it took over new team. We are building, you know, the capacity. We have a team based in now in Tanzania. We have team based in, in Senegal and team based in, in, in Kenya. So in the long run, uh, we want to really bring all these uh, moving parts together and specifically identify which country that we will really move into. But we have a plan to execute it in the next two, three to five years. Mm. Uh, our goal is, is really to, one is to educate uh, agriculture. And I have especially a very good track record. And uh, maybe the audience don't know about me. 
but I am a counselor of Ekiti Agriculture College in, in Nigeria. I'm the only one foreigner sworn in, in Nigerian constitution. And I'm very proud of that university we have enrolling the students this year. So Ekiti Agriculture uh, Technology that is now fully functioning. And uh, I have done many other educational programs. Uh, obviously, Stratmore Business School partnership with my old employer uh, and many other parts. So for me, education is, is just exposure uh, to really to expose people what is happening in other parts of the world. How does it farm? Why is a farmer in Australia yields this X and why is a farmer African yields are lower? So exchanging my knowledge in, in the globally, exchanging with education part is very critical moving forward. Secondly, is advocating. We, we want to advocate for these practices where I'm a Dutch citizen living in the Netherlands, want to do business in Africa, I can't open bank account. The bank that owns the largest banks in Africa. So it makes no sense. I'm a taxpayer. My taxpayer money go to a Dutch bank. Travel after 30 years back to, after 20 years away from the country back, want to open a bank account. I told them I want to trade Africa and immediately was no hell no. No way. So we need to look at diaspora. Why is it the French agriculture mechanization is, is less than 1% market share in Africa? Why is the German agriculture technology, the market share in Africa less than 2%? Why is the UK agriculture top end UK agriculture producer their market share product source less than two percent? Why ask the Finland products produced is less than one percent? Why how come that you own the all the banks is owned by these institutions? Norwegian fund, FMO, Fin Fund, all the poultry is owned by these institutions, all the hatcheries is owned by these institutions. All the beef production is owned by these institutions. All the sugar production is owned by these Western institutions. Germany, DEG, or German fund, everything. Even agriculture distribution equipment is owned by Europeans. 95% of the distribution in Africa, the company that I worked before, or anywhere I've been, they were European descent. Even the top management from the CEO all the way to the manager is European descent. <laughs> None of the uh, farmers I visited in Africa, I still look to meet my first black farmer who's earning one million above in the world. So to me, that part is something that I want to continue. It will get me into trouble, obviously. <laughs> but I am planning to speak out that if we want to change, if we want to change in Africa and make it Africa prosperous uh, continent, we need to move from eating food as a need and we need to move food eating as a healthy option uh, and take into account animal welfare, take into account good practice, yeah. uh, no GMO, uh, organic as possible. That is where agriculture that my company focuses on. But we are a startup and we want to disrupt the market and hopefully we'll be the largest agriculture company in the continent uh, in the next decade. Let, let me ask you uh, two naive questions. 
what you just say, it's really powerful. And I hope some people who work at some African organizations that will be listening to this, what is the role of the African Union? And the second will be, <laughs> that one is, how did Monsanto was able to come into Nairobi or to, to, to I don't know, to work with African? I, I still don't get it. Maybe that's my naivety. But let's start with the African Union. So, you see, African Union is, is uh, I, I, I've been there many times and I've had many discussions with African Union. African unions, uh, they, they, they have to employ Africans. You see? True. The, 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 that's the, and when it comes to agriculture, and most of uh, their team has never been exposed to what I, agriculture, what I've been exposed, what I've seen in the world. Uh, most of the, and then, but, but you, when it comes to national teams, when it comes to football, we are okay to hire French. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, hopefully, one country will hire me as the minister of agriculture. I'm happy, to do I'm happy to apply for that job. I'm really looking forward to it one day. So, uh, you know, the, the know how is the, the lack of exposure. You know, I will tell you when you meet a, a doctor from the African Union, highly educated PhD, and you travel to visit a, a, a farm he, he, where his expertise is. To get out of the car, get his feet dirty, he will send the driver and say, "Go out there and take a soil sample." So that's the that's the that's the difference. So we have a very highly educated, highly skilled mm. team in African Union, but still talking about NEDAP and all this, uh, you know, Mabuto Declaration and all this is still in a talk. So we we unfortunately I can't say more about African Union, but I haven't seen any progress there. And let's come back to Monsanto. Uh, I, you see, the, 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 we have to have this internally in Africa. We need to have a discussion about GMO. Yeah. Uh, and when you take soybean, as I mentioned, uh, about above 80% today, global soybean production is uh, GMO. And I mentioned to you, many African countries import food uh, when it comes to protein, meat. So right. take uh, Gabon, uh, maybe example, we import $200 million uh, for beef uh, per annum. And uh, South Africa is, uh, you know, $400 million per annum for uh, frozen uh, chicken. So you go to further on Angola, another half a million, uh, $500 million for frozen chicken. And ask yourself, 82% uh, of soybean is is GMO, and most of these poultries are fed uh, with the with the soybean. Definitely, will be significant portion. Let's say 10 to 20 of it, 20% will be soya case. So we have to have a discussion about what is uh, we need from seed. We do have uh, uh, one major problem in the continent. Seed is very expensive, extremely expensive, especially hybrid seeds. Uh, and, and, and because the, is the one season of seed production makes it difficult one. Uh, most of the factories that run, produce seed today, they shut down six months. So they don't produce, they only produce one season, mm -hmm. one, one thing's been grown. So that's one problem. Uh, that cost obviously have to be passed to the consumer. 
So seed is extremely expensive. Uh, an imported seed uh, costs today $10 in the Netherlands, and Arusha will be $25. Uh, so, so imported seed is, 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 uh, is extremely, extremely expensive. And finally, is w w what I think is, is uh, when we think about Monsanto, we need to say we don't want a GMO, but we need to accept sometimes science. Plants also get them, get diseases. Mm -hmm. So the plant, we need to be able to, to treat them. And most African farmers know what they do. You know, they know their mm -hmm. seeds. They, they preserve seeds. They have organic seeds. I am not an expert in seeds. I am only bringing in the know-how, how to use the seeds applied with the using machine mechanized planting to apply precision planting or counting how many seeds is planted. But to me, what is very important is that we, we should have the dialogue of science. We should not be run away and we should be able to produce seeds locally that are resistant to the diseases that we, we, we as a human being, also have some diseases, but the plant is similar. So we should have that discussion. Uh, how do we apply pesticide? How do we apply chemicals and fertilizer? And remember, when you use uh, hybrid seeds, you can't avoid without. You have to use fertilizer. Is the whole purpose? Is, is that plant is needs uh, fertilizer? So we must have a discussion about, in general, how we can reduce the cost of seeds. Seed is just too expensive, and Monsanto is now is Bayer. Uh, it's owned by Bayer. And uh, Monsanto will be now always active in Africa, unfortunately. Really? There's huge demand for hybrid seeds, and we don't have enough uh, countries in Africa that can produce hybrid seeds. That's the, that's the challenge. And no country has today ownership of one seed production company. Ah. So when you, are, when you look at the smaller maize, especially that industry is very limited companies there, Syngenta's. Syngenta has actually bought out most small companies in the continent. And so getting seed right is another area where you can actually grow seed because seed is very profitable business. And we will definitely focus on uh, production of seeds in our grocery foods. That's, it's our, one of our major targets. So technology is really playing a, a huge role in advancing agriculture, uh, let's just say in the 4.0. And maybe because... My grandfather was into agriculture. I feel like I'm connected to whatever you're saying. <laughs> so that's just for me. But what I want to see with the good news, I just say because we're African Tech Roundup and we talk about technology, there's this huge wave of youngsters who are getting into the agri-tech business. I'm not sure if all of them have been uh, farmers, but I, I hope for, all of, for their sake they do understand their business uh, from the ground up. I, I I have a farm. We have a family farm. So some of the things you're saying, like the poultry and the cows, I'm more into the cows, though. I'm not going to lie. I, I really do have an understanding. But then some companies, uh, they're releasing many apps out there. They're being funded uh, tremendously well for some of them. What is your take on this? For the new generation that, you know, as we said before, <laughs> when you, you, you know, you were not doing well at school, they'd be like, oh, you're going to end up doing this at school. 
you're gonna end up at a farm basically that was oh yeah childhood trauma but what is that what is this meaning what does that mean for us for the future uh you see the 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 agriculture is is a big in you know you can talk about construction with it you know agriculture is big you know you have vegetables you have you know fruit and vegetable uh, i mean uh, So those are the main area. My expertise is focused on for, from plant-based protein and really focused on nutrition, what we consume on a daily basis. So mm -hmm. around that, you have the, you know, vegetables that you have uh, a lot of small players. So having you know systems, your ERP systems or systems to help them, you know, account and trace their product and delivery. So those systems that are coming into play, they're not changing the productivity or not coming up new variety of seeds. They are not coming up with improving the farmer's productivity. Majority of them, these apps, young people today are really playing a critical role in terms of you know, organizing it, uh, making it tra traceable, making it uh, uh, movable, sellable, uh, making it marketable. Uh, the product so that's where a lot of uh, systems are still coming handy because if you want to collect 100 kilo of tomato then maybe you will have to talk to maybe another 200 small-scale farmers that will produce yeah. that 100 kilo tomato so it will require a lot of manual a lot of traveling a lot of handhelding so that's there where these technologies are coming to play a role As I say, the demand is still there. The consumption demand is still there. We don't produce enough. And tomato can be the dry season and during the wet season, the price could be so huge variance. So having these systems in play role in terms of movement, getting to the you know the cities where the normally food consumes, the rural area they produce mainly for their food and they, they export to the cities, they move to the cities. So getting that food logistically organized, a lot of things are happening in place. Uh, and I'm glad to see a lot of young people playing role and coming up solutions that will improve the, the small-scale farmer's life. But that's not what, uh, what will change uh, in the future of the continent. What will change the future continent is by owning the IPO of the seeds, yeah. by owning the, the grandparent, the, the, the embryo of the chicken, mm -hmm. by owning the, the, the embryo of the, the good milking cows, and then really putting in the systems and processes in place to get these products at affordable pace at, at, at a lower income population. I'm not targeting, you know, in the supermarket uh, that mm -hmm. can afford. We want to produce the chicken that is, you know, disturbing the existing consumer. We want to gain market share the existing consumer. So we're not even predicting our forecast of the growth pattern. We, if we come in and we'll bring in product that is locally produced, uh, the entire value chain, locally package them and deliver to consumer to a short distance, and we believe we can produce. A, If the existing product we can re reduce one dollar per kilo for chicken for example so that's our target our target is not just 
existing systems, existing processes, existing yields, just put in technology that you know improves the accountability or improves the supply chain. Uh, that's not what we are planning to do. We, what we are planning to do is really own the IPO. We want to own mm. software. We want to own the hardware. If we we don't believe by distributing, the market is already there. We just need to make sure we have a good quality product and not frozen. <laughs> not frozen. 95% we want to target a consumer that is looking for chill product. So that's our target. So it will be whether it's a restaurant, whether it will be hotels, whether it be consumers, but we want to make it uh, even cheaper than existing products today in the market. So we want adoption from the existing consumer by playing in the producing everything as, as close as possible where the consumers are. That's our aim. That's great. I mean, they just hope that everybody's listening to you. But let me give you the last word. What are you telling to your future investors? I think the future investors, I will tell, you know, I, I'm looking the investors from diaspora. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you asked me earlier, you want to raise, I, I want to raise as much as possible from within, within the African community. I'm glad my brother's family they believe in. I have uh, this is my passion. This is something that I my whole life I've been in the agriculture and uh, I've always been preaching about uh, importance of food and mm. uh, and selling in uh, in, in agriculture. Uh, investor investor type we are looking at it. Investors are looking for a very good return of their investment. Most importantly. We are not driven because of we want to change the society. We're not driven because we want to come because we want climate change or it's all these nice to have. We just want to tap in existing market that today the consumer that is consuming that can afford to to borrow champagne or to go out and party in the in the cities that consuming <laughs> frozen imported food. Can we get tap into that consumer and offer it a product as good as uh, the product is eating today, produced locally? Uh, to get there is going to generate uh, a lot of employment, and I always tell employment costs money. So to be able yeah. to create employment within that, you know, value chain, we believe every project that we will create twelve, one thousand two hundred jobs that are very clean. And our job is that the way we want to differentiate is we will be always paying with the social security. So there will be always oh. package. So currently, if you look at the total employment in Africa, uh, informal or formal sector, the number of the social security system is not big enough that we can use that money to invest in, in other things. Because there is, so I hope, you know, I will get the investors that is willing to use his social security, his retirement is $100 there or $200, put into our platform that would in five years, six years down the road, it will be patient enough for us to develop the entire system 
and create a, 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 a place where employees would have uh, all the social support. We, we know that, that by doing that, we will make sure that we create a good quality product for the consumer. We, when you have happy employees, happy system, I think you will get good quality product at the end. We, we really want to get the most investors. What we, we can guarantee is, is the, the African population will grow, will grow the fastest. Yeah. That's true. So the, 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 so there is no other way to be part of a, a, a company that uh, you will feel good about yourself because one, you're creating good quality jobs to, and you're actually getting in return good quality food that you can eat. So that's the type of investors that we're looking for, not because mm -hmm. of the social improvement. No, we want to create a system that has a diversity inclusion, that has all the good quality of way of uh, employee empowerment, that the employees will own the system. And yeah. we have done this. The most important is I've done this in the, my previous jobs. I can demonstrate in the continent. So I am, uh, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm very excited. And I want to thank you for the audience listening my broken English, but I apologize. <laughs> uh, I, my favorite language is Dutch still. But uh, thank you for Alex uh, taking the time. And I really appreciate no it. Give me this platform and hopefully i'll be more speaking about the effective side uh, but i'm back in europe now in the next this week mm -hmm. so i'm looking forward to the future there you go and how do people get in touch with you then is it the website that will link of course yeah grossofoods.com uh, I am not in LinkedIn. I'm not on social media. Uh, so, <laughs> I was going yeah, to say. <laughs> so you can find me grossofoods.com. My phone is there. My phone is there. My email is there. So grossofoods.com. There you go. Thanks a lot for your time, Redin, because this is, I feel like uh, I've been privileged to have this conversation only with you, because for those who don't understand, it's like you are the Michael Jordan of agriculture. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I didn't say LeBron James. Yeah. I'll rather say Stephen Curry, but <laughs> Michael Jordan <laughs> of... Take it. So, but to have all this discussion, obviously, on how Africa is changing and how we can play a role honestly feels like i'm more confident and really uh, positive about the future because when you start with food as you said when you don't have the proteins you can't go to school you can't think you can't like everything is linked the new company seems to be t tackling a huge problem <laughs> that's for sure and hopefully you, you know many more will join and uh we'll just you know see another africa new africa the, the one we're trying to to broadcast here on the podcast. So thank everyone and we'll talk something else next time. Thank you.